So this morning we're going to begin this new series. It's called A New Heart. And we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel. Now the reason I picked this name, A New Heart, is because Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, actually say, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So to me, this is really the foundation for this series. The foundation that God's going to give us a new heart. You know, we just came off of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and hopefully during that time of them 21 days, you felt a new connection or reconnection with God. And maybe not. You know, everyone's a little different. So this series of Ezekiel, I think we're going to be looking at basically the foundation of his uh, message. And for the lost, hopefully that through this series you see it's a change of repentance. And it causes you to repent for what you've been doing. And that God will give you a new heart through this series. And for those of us who are believers, hopefully it will encourage us to continue to do what God's called us to do even when it's tough. You see, it's not always easy doing what God's called us to do, especially in the world today. Sometimes in our own house, we can't even do what God's called us to do. But hopefully through this series, we will see that we need to be obedient and do what God's called us to do with that new heart. So we get rid of that heart of stone and we get a heart of flesh. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 1 today. Verses 3 through 14. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there is um, a Bible in the back of the pew in front of you. And as a reminder, um, the verses also be up here on the screen. And if you're watching online, uh, real quick, hey, let's give it up for those watching online today. All right. Hey, we're glad you're with us watching us online, but I do want to encourage you as much as we thank you for watching us online. I want to encourage you that don't let this replace you from being connected with the local church. It doesn't necessarily need to be us, but at least be connected to a local church because through that community, we build them relationships. You build relationships with inside the church and not only helps your relationship with others, but it helps you with your relationship with Jesus Christ. So as much as we appreciate you watching online, if you're able to go to Publix and Home Depot or any place else or out to eat, you can go ahead and come and join us in church on Sunday. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's go to the word word of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans at the river of Shabar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind, was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of the mist like the color of amber, out of the mist of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance, they had the likeness of man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings, Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. 
They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man, and each had the face, had the face of the lion on the right side. Each, had the, each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upwards, two wings of each, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Amen. Heavenly Father, it's your word. Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts so we may receive what it is you want us to receive from this message today. Open our eyes so that we may see your goodness and your glory in everything we do. And Lord, may my words be your words, and may you be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, when I started looking at this series and, you know, praying about it, and I was like, all right, God, hey, I can start in chapter two. And God said, oh, no, you're starting in chapter one. And I was like, really, God, you know, this is kind of confusing. Four faces, four wings kind of confusing. God says, that's okay, I'm going to give you a message from it. I said, all right, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you called me to do. And you know, it's interesting, we see that Ezekiel saw a vision. And I kind of picture that he's kind of considering his commission. He was a priest. Um, if you look back at the verses right before, in verses 1 and 2, it says that basically they've been in exile now for five years and five months. So, he is trying to bring God's word to those who have been exiled. They're away from their homeland. They're away from their family, their loved ones. And I kind of picture Ezekiel laying there prostate, you know, on the banks of the river, Shabar, just praying to God. And then God gives him a vision. God shares a vision with him. And I think the reason for this vision is so that prophet that Ezekiel can see the holiness and the glory of God all together. And I think it's a, a vision to convince sinners that this is a God that you will have to deal with. That he is a God of order. And that sin cannot be near God. So that we need to repent of it. I think Thursday Thirdly, it's a vision that speaks comfort into those who are exiled. And it's interesting the way it starts out. I looked and I saw. I looked. I saw. How many of us forget to look so that we can see what God's got for us? How many of us forget to look and take that time with God where we can see a vision of what he has for our future because we're so caught up in getting busy and doing stuff. 
And I think it's interesting, he, the way it goes on, it says, I saw a creature. The creature was basically in the likeness of man, and every one of the creatures had four faces. They had four wings. Their legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like calves' feet. They had hands like man. Their wings were joined together. They flew straight wherever they went. They didn't turn sideways. Everything they did was straight. And I think the most important part was they went where the Spirit wanted to go. They went to where the Spirit wanted to go. How many times do we fight where the Spirit wants us to go? Because we don't take that time to have that vision. And you know, maybe you're telling yourself, you know, Pastor Ken, that sounds real good and it sounds real theological, but can you break this down for me a little bit? It gets kind of confusing. You know, and I try and picture what this creature would have looked like. So as I study this word, there's a few different things I noticed and I want to kind of break it down. The first thing I noticed is it says, it was a, they came in the likeness. So this creature came, it wasn't an actual creature, it was in the likeness. So in other words, when we look at maybe angelic beings or people that God brings into our life, what we actually see is a likeness of a person. We don't see the actual creature itself or what it really is. And I think sometimes we're unable to handle what something really looks like that we just need to be able to see the likeness of something. You see, a lot of times we get so caught up and we start looking at the outside of something. We may look at the clothes that someone's got on. Or we may check out, hey man, they got some new LeBron sneakers, man. I need to get me some of them. Or maybe you start just drooling over the new Lexus or BMW in your neighbor's driveway. We start looking at all of this stuff that somebody else has. And all we're looking at is what's on the outside. We're looking at the outside appearance of everything. So basically what we're seeing is a likeness of the person. We're not seeing the real person. You know, in other words, when we look and we check out something from the physical eye, what we see is a likeness of something. We don't see what it looks like and we can't actually comprehend what's on the inside of what it is because all we see is the physical traits. You know, so when I look out here, I can't look and say whether you're a man or a woman. I can't say whether you're short, tall, skinny, or fat. I can't even see your color. Because all of that is just the likeness of what I see. It's not what's on the inside. And we get so caught up on what we see on the outside or the likeness. And if we are all in the, made in the image of God, why do we look at the outside? We need to dig and look at what's on the inside. You know, another thing I noticed that <clears throat> the likeness of these creatures came out of a fire. And you know, anytime I think of fire in the Bible, besides thinking of hell, any other time I think of the presence of God. You think about Noah in the burning bush. The burning bush was the presence of God. You think about... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego inside the furnace. And there was a fourth inside there. The fire shows the presence of God. So not only do we see the likeness of human or the likeness inside here, 
But in this creature, we also see that it's in the presence of God. So first we see that it's a likeness, which is, of course, a spiritual thing. Then we see that it's the presence of God, which makes it divine. And the third thing, we see humanity. In other words, we must recognize that we as people are connected to the Spirit and the divine. And that's why the hymnist actually says, I'm an heir of salvation, purchase of God. I am of His Holy Spirit. I have been washed by His blood. But you see, the problem is we overlook this and we don't see ourselves, or we see ourselves as a nothing, or we get down on ourselves because I, I, I can't do this. We get so caught up on what we can and we cannot do, and we marginalize ourselves from what God calls us to be. Because no one can put a weight on you like you can. No one can keep you weighted down more than you can and your conscience can. But we got to understand that when we look at this creature, it's a divine creature. It's a creature that is in the likeness of God. It is spiritual, it is divine, and it is human. And you know, as we're getting down on ourselves, we got to think. The Bible tells us that we were made just a little lower than the angels. That we are a royal priesthood. That means we're special in the sight of God. People are special in the eyes and the sight of God. And we need to understand that ourselves. And I think we get so caught up on looking at the vertical for God instead of on the horizontal. Because what do we always do? God, where are you? And we look up. And I think God's telling us, you need to look around. You need to look to your left, you need to look to your right, and you need to see me every place that I am in your life. We need to continue to look for him for where he is and look at those who he brings into our life in the human form. That a lot of times what we refer to as angels among us. Well, how many times have you been the angel among us for somebody else? Because each one of us should have that time when we affect that change in someone else's life. We can't mistreat people. We can't mistreat people because they're in the image of God. The Greek word here even says amigo die, which is image of God. So that's what we see in this creature. And that's what we should see in everybody that we look at. We should see the image of God in everybody so that we treat everybody the same. Of course, now I was digging a little farther into this passage. You know, I saw that the, the faces, the four different faces, and, and I want to use these faces to give a couple points this morning. You know, the first thing I noticed was the first face was the face of humanity, or the face of man. And I think that that symbolizes that this creature had intelligence, because man has intelligence. I think it symbolizes that it comes with understanding. It has the ability to have tenderness. Maybe the ability to show love and compassion. Which means if this creature had human feelings, then it had to be able to say that I love you. It had to be able to say that I care for you. It had to be able to tell me that you were kind. 
some of these words that we forget to say on a regular basis. But we are part of this with our humanity and our human face. But the problem is most of us take this face of humanity and we make it all about us. You know, the world revolves around me. And we forget that we can say, I love you. I care for you. That we can help somebody else out with our humanity and not make it all about us. And unfortunately, a lot of times that's what we do. It's all about us and nothing more. But it's interesting that when you look at the second face, the second face is the face of a lion. Now man is the head of all, so lions would have to be the head of wild animals. And I think what God's doing here is he's connecting humanity. He's connecting our humanity with our presence to be bold, how we can be bold in what we do. And that we have strength and that we have character that comes from a lion. See, too often we get caught up just with being human and we forget that sometimes we need to let that lion out inside of us. There's times that we just got to let that lion roar. There's times that we just need to stand up and be bold and say, hey, you can't say that to me. Be able to stand up and say, no, you were wrong in what you were thinking about. God's word says this. There's a time we've got to be bold. There's a time we've got to stand up. We've got to be able to say, no, I am the parent and you're going to listen to me. You see, so many times we get caught up with, oh, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, I know my Jesus flipped over tables and fashioned a whip. He wasn't blonde hair, blue-eyed, feather-backed like the pictures that you see. My Jesus was a warrior. He had a lion. He had a heart of a lion inside of him. Now, see, unfortunately, some of us are very good with the lion part. We know our lion side very well. And I can tell by the words that come out of your mouth or the life that you live. Some of you willing to fight at the drop of a hat. Because that lion just comes out and that lion is always there. Well, thank God he gave us another face. The face of an ox. Now, if humanity is in, overrules all and the lion oversees the wild, the ox is definitely different. Because what the ox is, is he is the chief of tamed animals. <clears throat> you see, because there's a part of each one of us that needs to be tamed. Some of us let that lion go way too far. And it's got to be tamed sometime. So that's where we have the ox. <clears throat> we need to be able to persevere. We need to be able to stick it out. We need to hang in there when there's work to be done. See, some people don't have an ox in them at all. Because what happens is we start doing work for the Lord. And God's calling us to go and do this. And then people come in and, I'm all in, Pastor. We're going to do this. And then it gets in the way of you being yourself and your humanity. Or it gets in the way of your life. It gets in the way of, well, I got this I got to go do. 
and you get so caught up in everything else that you don't have that ox inside of you. But thank God for that ox. You see, the ox says, no matter what, if it's going my way or not, I've got a yoke around my neck, and I'm just going to keep on pulling. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going until God tells me to stop. It's not when Pastor Ken, I'm not going to stop myself. When God tells me to stop is when I'm going to stop. We all need to have a little bit of an ox. So thank God for that ox. Now the fourth face we see is the face of an eagle. So man's the head of all. The lion's the head of the wild beast. The ox is over the head of the tamed. But the eagle is head over all of the air. Over all of the fowl. Over all of the birds. The eagle controls the air. The eagle shows us that we can soar to new heights and that we can have piercing eyesight, which I'm ready for my piercing eyesight so I can get rid of these. (laughs) But you see, some of us are just blind sometimes. We get so caught up in the valley that we may be in, we're so caught up in what is going on around us that we can't see beyond. We don't see what God has for us. We're just stuck right here in the darkness. We're stuck six inches in front of our face. The eagle tells us that we're going to be able to soar. So when we're in that valley, we're going to be able to raise up out of that valley. When we get up, we're going to be able to see what God calls us to see. But we forget that we have that ability. We forget that God gives us that vision to be able to see what he wants us to do and where he wants us to go. Because we get so caught up in now and here. <clears throat> We're able to rise up over our difficulties. We're able to rise up over the disparities in our lives. And we need to start looking at the bright side. Look at the light at the end of the tunnel and use that vision to see where God wants you to go. What God wants us to be. You know, as, as God's word says, have you not known, have you not heard? You see, God has done this for us. God has provided us with wisdom that we need. God has provided us with the boldness that we need. God has provided us with the diligence we need and also with the vision. All we got to do is do it. All we got to do is reach out and grab on and believe that this is what God called us to do and do it. Take God for his word. You know, as I continue to look, and it's interesting, as I look through some commentaries in church history, in church history, the Apostle Mark was considered the ox. Which was pretty interesting when I saw that. Matthew, they considered Matthew the lion. Mark was the ox. Luke, they considered man. And they considered the Apostle John the eagle. Now, it's interesting, if you've ever taken any time and you've really dug into reading the Gospels, you'll find out that if you really want to find out about the life of Jesus, you can't read just one. You can't just read Matthew. 
you got to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to understand the full story. So it shows how all of it comes together to show who Jesus is. And I think we need to do the same thing. As we connect our faces and we combine our faces and we combine our wings just like this creature does, we can accomplish all kinds of things. We can open people's eyes to see what God's Word says and affect change in their lives. But we need to do what? Go where the Spirit takes us. Go where the Spirit takes us. Not where I want to go, not where you want to go, where the Spirit takes us. And I think there's several things that happen when we join together. And I think the first thing that happens when we join together is we become steadfast. When we're joined together, the text says that we have calves' feet. Which is kind of weird, calves' feet. But you've got to understand, calves', meet, calves feet mean that we can climb to high places. It means that no matter what the struggle and no matter what we're up against, we can continue to climb higher and higher. So we're getting feet to help us to climb. Steadfastness, being unmovable, always abounding. And that's what we got to do in the Word of in God's Word. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Word and what God calls us to do. And the next thing I think is interesting, you think about human legs, you know, our legs bend. It says that our legs will be straight, which means we won't waver. When our faces are joined and our wings are joined together, our legs become straight. There's no bending, there's no wishy-washy, there's no well, well, well. We're straight, we're solid, we're focused. We're going to stand firm, and the firmness that we stand on is what God's Word says. We stand firm on what His Word says and what He calls us to do because we go where the Spirit tells us to go. But that's not all. I think besides being steadfast, we end up becoming single-minded. When we are joined together, we do not turn to the left or the right. We do not look back and get distracted. Every way we go, we go straight. We go straight and we don't veer left or right. Our focus is where the Spirit wants us to go and we go that way. And if we're going this way and the Spirit says, hey, it's time to go this way, we don't kind of go that way. We just, boom, we're always going straight. We don't ever go backwards. We go straight to where the Spirit has called us to go. We go straight where God calls us to do, and we do it with urgency, with power, with boldness. Everything we do, we're doing straightforward for God. Too many times we forget about that. And all of us are focused with one single mind going in the same direction. Wow, when's the last time a church did that? One church, one word. Single-minded, focused on what the Spirit calls us to do. And I think besides being steadfast, being single-minded, I think we become secured. See, we can't do it on our own. 
Lord knows I've tried to do things on my own. I'm sure everyone in here has tried to do it on their own. But thank God that we're secured. We're secured in Him when we come together. We can't do it on our own because there's way too much division. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There is darkness around every corner just trying to divide us, trying to make us fall over, trying to get us from being steadfast, trying to keep us from being single-minded, trying to keep us from being secured. Satan is always going to try and stop a movement of God. But we get so caught up in what the world wants. We get so caught up in what's going on out there, what's going on with our neighbors. And instead of being single-minded, instead of doing what God calls us to do, going where the Spirit's led, we let principalities of darkness make us mess up veer off the course that God's called us to do because we try and do it on our own instead of coming together, connecting our wings, connecting our faces, and moving forward. See, because man is nothing. But God, God is everything. God is everything, and we need to remember that He is everything. And you know, you think about it in this time of captivities. Uh, the Israelites are in captivity. I think today we're in captivity. I think in today's culture we're in captivity. We're in a culture of captivity right now. And if you think about it, I think the culture of, of captivity is post-Christianity. You're going to be, wait, pastor, post-Christianity? What do you mean? How can we be in post-Christianity? 70% of the United States says that they're Christians. Notice I said 70% say they're Christians. 70% of the U.S. right now say that they're Christians. 25.4% are evangelical, mainline or Protestants. 14.7% uh, Catholic is 20.8% and others is 98 70% Actually, 70.6% of the U.S. claim to be Christians. What are we as Christians doing to the culture? Nothing. Are we affecting the culture at all? No. Are we affecting the culture narrative? No. But if 70% of us, we are the majority, how are we not affecting culture? You want to know what affects culture? Stories. Who has the best story to tell? Who tells the best story? And we have failed. We have failed at telling the best story. And it's exactly why we need the church. Our children are being consumed and scourged by drugs. Our families are being destroyed and devastated through divorces. Cities are being attacked by moral decay. Schools are being victimized by the venom of violence. But 70% of the U.S. say they're Christians. So how can this be happening if we're Christians? Because we stop telling our story. Somewhere along the line, we stop telling the story. 
We stopped telling the story of Christ crucified. We stopped going with the Spirit and doing what God called us to do. The world out there is controlling the culture instead of us. Because we haven't stepped up to do what we're called to do. And if you think about it, when is the last time you actually took the time to speak to someone about the cross? That you earnestly spoke to someone about the cross? That you witnessed to someone that you saw down and out? Maybe that you witnessed to a friend or a family member. Every one of us know at least one person who does not know Jesus Christ. When is the last time you took time to talk to them? And not just beat them over the head with the King James Version of the Bible. Because you're not going to save anybody that way. When is the last time you took time to tell the story? To tell your story? Tell his story and how his story affected your story? We're failing because we don't tell the story of the cross. See, the church still holds the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. We still have the keys to the kingdom of God. The church still is place, a place where the jagged can be made smooth. The church is still a place where those who are sick can come and be healed. The church today is still the same place where captives can come and be set free. The church is the place where the broken can be put back together and still a place where the lost can be found. We are still a place where those who are bound can be loosed and those who are, looking to, who are hungry and looking for a living bread can get the bread of life. And those who are thirsty can come and get living water. And we're still the place where the greatest story of all time can be told. But we're failing. Because we're not telling the greatest story that has ever been told and culture is going in a different direction because we have failed. We need to tell the story of the cross. We need to affect change in people's lives. We need to be bold. We need to take every face that we saw today, the face of humanity that gives us that intelligence and that compassion to tell someone that I love you and I care for you. The face of the lion where we can be bold. The face of the ox where we can be diligent. And the face of the eagle where we can soar. And that we can tell the greatest story that has ever been told. Christ died on a cross. Three days later, he rose again. And because of that, our sins, we are free from our sins. And we can be saved and we can go to heaven if we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. That is the greatest story ever told. The problem is we're not telling it. Because we're afraid of what someone might think or what someone might say. Some of you need a lion inside of you. And some of you need to tame your line a little bit with the ox because of the way you come off. No one's going to listen to you. Because they're going to say, really, you're a Christian? You talk like you're a sailor. 
We need to combine all four faces together and come together, join wings together, and go out there and effect change. And tell the greatest story that's ever been told. Tell the story of Christ being crucified and how he changed your life. No one can refute your personal testimony. No one can refute who you were the day you met Christ and what he's done in your life. And I'm here to tell you, if a Jehovah Witness ever comes up to your door, just tell them, hey, you know what? Let me tell you, this is who I was. This is when Jesus came into my, and this is what he has done in my life, and they're going to walk away because they will not listen to what Jesus has done in your life. You can take any hurt, hang-up, or habit that you've had in your past, and you will be surprised how many people will come up to you who have the same addiction, same issue, or same whatever it was in your past will actually come up to you. God will bring them right in front of your face, and you'll be able to take your past and your present and show them how Jesus changed you and affect change in their lives. But you've got to be open to it. You've got to be willing to be bold and take them steps and tell the greatest story that's ever been told so that people can see the glory of God. You know, the songwriter knew that the good news of the cross was good news. When he wrote these words, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other help I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, we need to leave these doors open and allow people to come inside. There are people out there hurting that need to come in and hear the greatest story ever told. But at the same time, we need to go out them doors and tell the greatest story that's ever been told. We need to go out there and be bold for our faith and tell the story of Christ. Tell the story of the cross. Change the culture out there because Lord knows they need it. They need what we have. They're looking for something and they don't know what it is. Give them this story on the cross. Whether it's in school, in your house, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever it may be. Take the four faces and go out there and change the world. Change this culture so that we're not a post-Christian culture anymore, but we are a Christian culture. You don't like what's going on out there? Guess what? Satan's enjoying every bit of it. And he's enjoying every bit of it because we have failed. I have failed. I have failed to make a change in this world. And I'm trying to make it better. But it takes all of us join our wings together and for us to go straight forward. Not to veer left or right. Not to go backwards, but to go straight forward in everything we do. And showing God's glory to everybody we come in contact with. And you know, maybe you just don't get it. You know, Pastor Ken, I don't know Jesus. Well, you know what? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there'll be a time of invitation. You can come up front. 
We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And don't think you got to get buried in what you are now to accept Jesus. Jesus wants you just the way you are. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But his word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. It is that simple. What isn't simple is when you accept Jesus Christ and you go back out into that world. Because you have changed, but they haven't. And we need to affect that change out there. We need to change the culture narrative every place that we go. And maybe you just need to come up here and you say, Pastor Ken, I am way too much of a lion. I need some ox in me. Maybe you just need to come up here and pray, God, give me these four faces of the humanity. Give me these four faces so that I can be level and do what you've called me to do. Well, maybe you haven't been going and going where the Spirit has led you. Maybe it's time just to come up here, lean at the altar, and ask God to open up your heart, to give you that new heart. Break that heart of stone and give you that new heart so you can affect change. I don't know what it is. God does. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we may not always understand it. But Lord, we love when you open up our eyes so that we can see it. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you for you sending your son to it. For us. And Lord, may we go out there and may may we not be part of that post-Christian culture. May we truly go out there and affect change in people's lives and speak your truths. Well, we can tell people, this is who I used to be. I was right there with you. And this is when Jesus came into my life. And this is what he has done in my life going forward. And we want that for you. He wants that for you. And Lord, maybe there's someone here who doesn't know you. And Lord, I just ask that they make that move and come and accept you. Or maybe someone's watching online, they haven't accepted you as your your Lord and Savior. And that they will accept you and move forward with you. Move forward as the Spirit tells us to go. And Lord, maybe someone just needs to come up here and leave it at the altar and take time with you so they can get connected all the way around and serve you in everything that they do. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.